If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Oftenest to his brilliant companion, looked most frequently at the quiet one. Miss Kilda gathered handfuls of the profusely blooming flowers, whose perfume filled the enclosure. She gave some to Caroline, telling her to choose a nosegay for Mr. Hall. And with her lap filled with delicate and splendid blossoms, Caroline sat down on the steps of a summer-house. The vicar stood near her, leaning on his cane. Shirley, who could not be inhospitable, now called out the neglected pair in the oak parlour. She convoyed Don past his dread enemy Tartar, who, with his nose on his forepaws, lay snoring under the meridian sun. Dunn was not grateful. He was never grateful for kindness and attention, but he was glad of the safeguard. Miss Kilda, desirous of being impartial, offered the curates flowers. They accepted them with native awkwardness. Malone seemed specially at a loss when a bouquet filled one hand, while his shilala occupied the other, Dunn's thank you was rich to hear. It was the most fatuous and arrogant of sounds, implying that he considered this offering an homage to his merits, and an attempt on the part of the heiress to ingratiate herself into his priceless affections. Sweeting alone received the posy like a smart, sensible little man, as he was, putting it gallantly and nattily into his buttonhole. As a reward for his good manners, Miss Kilda, beckoning him apart, gave him some commission, which made his eyes sparkle with glee. Away he flew, round by the courtyard to the kitchen. No need to give him directions. He was always at home, everywhere. Ere long he reappeared, carrying a round table, which he placed under the cedar. Then he collected six garden chairs from various nooks and bowers in the grounds, and placed them in a circle. The parlour-maid, Miss Kilda kept no footman, came out, bearing a napkin-covered tray. Sweeting's nimble fingers aided in disposing glasses, plates, knives, and forks. He assisted her, too, in setting forth a neat luncheon, consisting of cold chicken, ham, and tarts. This sort of impromptu regale, it was Shirley's delight to offer any chance guests, and nothing pleased her better than to have an alert, obliging little friend, like Sweeting, to run about her hand, cheerily receive and briskly execute her hospitable hints. David and she were on the best terms in the world, and his devotion to the heiress was quite disinterested, since it prejudged in nothing his faithful allegiance to the magnificent Dora Sykes. The repast turned out a very merry one, Dunn and Malone, indeed, contributed but little to its vivacity, the chief part they played in it being what concerned the knife, fork, and wine-glass. But wherefore such natures as Mr. Hall, David Sweeting, Shirley, and Caroline were assembled in health and amity, on a green lawn, under a sunny sky, amidst a wilderness of flowers, 
there could not be ungenial dullness. In the course of conversation, Mr. Hall reminded the ladies that Whitsuntide was approaching, when the grand United Sunday School tea-drinking and procession of the three parishes of Briarfield, Winbury and Nunley were to take place. Caroline, he knew, would be at her post as teacher, he said, and hoped Miss Kildar would not be wanting. He hoped she would make her first public appearance amongst them at that time. Shirley was not the person to miss an occasion of this sort. She liked festive excitement, a gathering of happiness, a concentration and combination of pleasant details, a throng of glad faces, a muster of elated hearts. She told Mr. Hall they might count on her with security. She did not know what she would have to do, but they might dispose of her as they pleased. And, said Caroline, you will promise to come to my table and to sit near me, Mr. Hall. I shall not fail, Dio Valente, said he. I have occupied the place on her right hand at these monster tea-drinkings for the last six years, he proceeded, turning to Miss Gildar. They made her a Sunday-school teacher when she was a little girl of twelve. She is not particularly self-confident by nature, as you may have observed, and the first time she had to take a tray, as the phrase is, and make tea in public, there was some piteous trembling and flushing. I observed the speechless panic, the cups shaking in the little hand, and the overflowing teapot filled to full from the urn. I came to her aid, took a seat near her, managed the urn and the slop-basin, and, in fact, made the tea for her like any old woman. "'I was very grateful to you,' interposed Caroline. "'You were. You told me so with an earnest sincerity that repaid me well. Inasmuch as it was not like the majority of little ladies of twelve, whom you may help and caress for ever without their evincing any quicker sense of the kindness done and meant than if they were made of wax and wood, instead of flesh and nerves.' She kept close to me, Miss Kilda, the rest of the evening, walking with me over the grounds where the children were playing. She followed me into the vestry when all were summoned into church. She would, I believe, have mounted with me to the pulpit, had I not taken the previous precaution of conducting her to the rectory pew. And he has been my friend ever since, said Caroline. And always sat at her table, near her tray, and handed the cups. That is the extent of my services. The next thing I do for her will be to marry her some day to some curate or mill owner. But mind, Caroline, I shall inquire about the bridegroom's character, and if he is not a gentleman likely to render happy the little girl who walked with me hand in hand over Nunley Common, I will not officiate. So take care. The caution is useless. I am not going to be married. I shall live single like your sister Margaret, Mr. Hall. "'Very well. You might do worse. Margaret is not unhappy. "'She has her books for a pleasure, and her brother for a care, and is content. "'If ever you want a home, if the day should come when Briarfield Rectory is yours no longer, "'come to Nunnally Vicarage. "'Should the old maid and bachelor be still living, they will make you tenderly welcome.' "'There are your flowers, now,' said Caroline, who had kept the nosegay she had selected for him till this moment. "'You don't care for a bouquet, but you must give it to Margaret. "'Only, to be sentimental for once, 
Hate that little forget-me-not, which is a wild flower I gathered from the grass, and, to be still more sentimental, let me take two or three of the blue blossoms and put them in my souvenir. And she took out a small book with enamelled cover and silver clasp, wherein, having opened it, she inserted the flowers, writing round them in pencil, to be kept for the sake of the Reverend Cyril Hall, my friend, May 18. The Reverend Cyril Hall, on his part also, placed a sprig in safety between the leaves of a pocket testament. He only wrote on the margin, Caroline. Now, said he, smiling, I trust we are romantic enough, Miss Gilder. He continued, the curates, by the by, during this conversation, were too much occupied with their own jokes to notice what passed at the other end of the table. I hope you are laughing at this trait of exultation in the old grey-headed vicar, but the fact is I am so used to comply with the requests of this young friend of yours. I don't know how to refuse her when she tells me to do anything. You would say it is not much in my way to traffic with flowers and forget-me-nots, but, you see, when requested to be sentimental, I am obedient. He is naturally rather sentimental, remarked Caroline. Margaret told me so, and I know what pleases him. That you should be good and happy? Yes, that is one of my greatest pleasures. May God long preserve to you the blessings of peace and innocence. By which phrase? I mean comparative innocence. For in his sight, I am well aware, none are pure. 